I'm Derek. And I'm Jamie. And welcome to I Know You with Derek and Jamie, the podcast where two friends recommend themed content and try to predict the other's reaction to see who knows who better. Also, we always have a mini segment where we can discuss anything from current news stories to who would we recast in a remake to movie trailer reactions. The possibilities are endless there. And we also end each show with a mini game. So stick around for that. And the theme for today's episode is alternative westerns. We chose this theme because the CMT Music Awards were this weekend, and we kind of wanted to go with that, you know, spice it up just a little bit by throwing a little alternative in there. So yeah, my choice for today's theme is The Mandalorian, but just episodes one, four, and seven through eight, which can be found on Disney+. And I chose the first three episode of the miniseries Godless. So just a disclaimer before we jump in, there will be spoilers in our podcast. So listen at your own risk. Unless you've seen both of these, then enjoy our commentary. Did you see that the Oscar nominations just came out? I did. Nick Jonas and his wife announced them. Oh, they did? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that. I was curious what they were going to look like this year, you know, because of the unfortunate events of 2020. But most of the time, I don't know most of the movies or some of the movies. This time, I knew very few. Really? Yeah. I kind of felt bad. I'm like, I don't know a lot of these films. I mean, I know the names of most of them so far. As of recording this, we're recording this March 16th, and this is going out about a month later so far have only seen in the best picture category, I've only seen Nomadland, which is on Hulu. But I've heard of Promising Young Woman. I've heard that's fantastic. I've heard of Judas and the Black Messiah. Heard that's fantastic. I've heard of that one. Some of these I haven't even heard of, like The Father, Mank, Sound of Metal. (laughs) Like The Father just came out. I actually heard of The Sound of Metal. I heard about that on NPR so much. It's about uh, like a drummer who's losing his hearing, played Mm -hmm. by uh, uh, what's his name? I don't know. I think you're going to have to consult Google with that one. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Uh, Everyone... (laughs) Oh, live Googling of Whoa, an MBD says it came out in 2019. That's weird. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. It came out in some countries in 2019, but it didn't come out in America until 2020. Interesting. Maybe they made an exception for it because they're like, there's not a lot else. We need to get some other movie. I don't know. Weird. Well, I mean, they cut off at a certain time at the end of the year, I believe. So maybe this one didn't make it to enough theaters before the end of 2019 kind of thing. Maybe just because it wasn't released in America. Yeah. I don't know. That seems a little weird. I'm sure. Who cares? It's, it is an American <laughs> award show. Who cares? All right. Um, like in all the best director and best actor stuff, it's pretty much all just from the best picture nominations. I texted Derek a couple days ago and told him, I was like, we need to watch all the Oscar noms again. Because we did that when we lived together, at least tried to watch all of the best pictures. Mm-hmm. And we got through a lot of them. I think we only missed like two. Yeah. All but three of the best picture nominations are actually on streaming services. No Man Land is on Hulu. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is on HBO. Mank is on Netflix, same with Trial of Chicago 7, and Sound of Metal's on Amazon. Promising Young Woman says it's streaming on Amazon. Oh, it does it? Oh, geez. That's what my thing says right here. And then The Father I actually saw, like, in theaters, and I'm like, who is going to theaters for that movie? <laughs> Who's going to the theaters right now? In general. And especially, <laughs> like, for that movie. Like, what? <laughs> okay, in America, because we do have some international listeners out there, and there are I some know. places where it is safe to go to a theater, and in those places, good job. I wish I lived there and I could go to a movie theater, but yeah, I, I don't think England is clear. <laughs> no. I don't. Didn't we have one listener in, I think, Ghana, which. I don't, I don't know, but if Ghana's, you know, if they're hitting it well, anything else you want to talk about before we get into it? <laughs> <laughs> like that smooth transition I, right I there? Hope, I hope they're hitting it well. Let's jump into it. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Let's just let's move on. All right. All right. All right. So I'm going to go first. And my suggestion this week was Godless. And it's a mini series that you can stream on Netflix. Now, before I get into the information and the summary of the first three episodes, I'm going to give my guess for Derek's rating just for the first three episodes. And that's an important that thing to say. That is all I watched. Yep. If he had watched the whole thing, I feel like it would be a different rating. But because it's just the first three episodes, I have like a different thing for it. So for objective competence, I think Derek gave this a B flat, just B for person enjoyment, I'm getting about a seven. And for rewatchability slash, will he finish the show? I actually gave him a four, which is the highest I have ever guessed for rewatchability. So those are my guesses. All right, now I'm going to get into the information on this. So it's a 2017 Netflix original miniseries written and directed by Scott Frank. It stars Jack O'Connell as Roy Good, Michelle Dockery as Alice Fletcher, Scoot McNary as Bill McNew, Merritt Weaver as Mary Agnes, and Jeff Daniels as Frank Griffin. It was named one of the year's best shows by the Washington Post and Vanity Fair. Rotten Tomato gave it an 85% rating with critics' consensus that the vistas and violence root godless firmly in traditional Western territory, but its female-driven ensemble sets it apart from its male-dominated genre. The theme title won an Emmy along with Jeff Daniels and Merritt Weaver winning an Emmy for supporting actor and actress in a limited series. I love this series. So before we jump in, I'm going to do what I did last week and give a summary of each episode. Episode one, the series opens with Marshall Cook walking into the town of Creed, only to find that everyone has been murdered and the town burned. Roy Cook arrives at Alice Fletcher's ranch. Marshall arrives in LaBelle, a town of mostly women, after most of the men were killed in a mining accident two years prior. He tells the sheriff, Bill McNew, what he saw in Creed. Roy turns himself into Bill. Frank Griffin has his arm removed after Roy blew it off in a standoff. Episode two, Quicksilver Mining Company proposes a deal to buy the town of LaBelle Mary McNew, the sheriff's sister and widow of the town mayor, believes the deal to be suspicious, but is overruled by the other women and they take the deal. Frank Griffin confronts a newspaper editor and forces him to write an article making him look better. He also sets up camp with a Norwegian family and scares them with the story of his past and then rapes their wife. Roy suggests the sheriff find Frank before Frank finds LaBelle. Bill goes off in search of him. Alice breaks Roy out of jail and strikes a deal with him. He breaks in her horses and she will teach him to read. Episode 3. Marshall Cook runs into J.J. Valentine, who is the head of the Quicksilver Mining Company, and his security and urges him to return to LaBelle to protect the town from Frank Griffin. At Alice's ranch, the deputy, Whitey Wynn, and women of LaBelle ask for Roy back. Alice agrees to sell them her horses if Roy can stay. Bill comes across the Norwegian family and is told where Frank was headed. Whitey goes to the neighboring town of Blackdom, a village made up of buffalo soldiers, and takes violin lessons from Louise. Mary and Callie, her lover, share a sweet moment. Marshall Cook arrives at his meeting place with Bill, but Frank Griffin and his gang are there and they kill him. So let's jump into the discussion out of the first three episodes of this miniseries. What did you like? What didn't you like? You know. So I'll start with uh, what I liked and I'll say what I really like is some of the characters. Most of, I'll say most of the characters. There are a couple that didn't really do anything. I didn't dislike, which didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. But the main characters that I did like were Roy Alice, Whitey, and Mary. Yes. Those, I think, were my four favorite throughout the episodes that I watched. Roy, just because I like that he has a mysterious backstory that we're slowly learning throughout the series. You can tell he's like a good guy, but he's done some terrible shit in his past, and he's just trying to like, I don't know, almost make up for it or just kind of be away from it. Yeah. I I like Alice's story. She's had two husbands. They've both died. Or I guess one was technically just a fiance that died. I'm unsure about that. They weren't very clear. And the story was 
was slightly confusing. I'll bring that up in a second. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, like I am curious where the story is going, though. They're clearly setting stuff up. I wasn't expecting a lot of payoff. I guess I was expecting a little more. I was going to say, unlike our last episode when we talked about the English game, I felt like after the first half of that, there was a really good stopping point where this one, it felt like it was a lot, a lot of setup, but I wasn't getting any payoff. I guess the Marshall dying, I guess, is kind of like a big thing. But like, I mean, I knew he was going to die. Like, I'm like, there's no way this guy's surviving that much longer. The difference between this miniseries and the English game, the English game is six episodes. So episode three was at the halfway point. Mm -hmm. This, I believe there's seven or eight episodes. I think seven. Seven. So it's not even at the halfway point yet with the first three episodes. So you aren't going to get that middle ground series cliffhanger yet because it's still telling the story. Right. And it's hard. So when we were suggesting these for each other, I was trying to think of what episode. The best episodes of Godless are seven and eight. Like those are the two top ones. They're like, these are the best. But you can't watch seven and eight without knowing the backstory. So I'm not going to tell him to watch that. So that's the hard thing is this is the setup to the really good, which is why my guess was so high for the rewatchability. We actually took like different approaches to this because I did like the opposite where you did like the first three when I suggested Mandalorian. I did like the first one, like a middle one, and then the last two because I feel like that's a simple enough story. And we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Got distracted. Also, actually, I'd even change this note for my last show notes. It's kind of cheating, but I was like, it, this one also feels like it's the late 1800s, just like the English game, which I actually think they're both set at like near the exact same time. Probably. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Which is kind of funny to think those two things are like happening concurrently. I know. It's such different places. The Old West and England. I also really like everything with Alice, Roy, Trucky, and Trucky's grandma. I can't remember her name now. The mother-in-law, yeah. Yeah. Like, I liked everything there. That felt like it could have been just a movie. There was a lot of stuff I liked, but I guess I'm kind of getting more into the stuff I don't like, where it felt like it wasn't really a cohesive story yet, you know? And maybe that remedied by the end of the yeah, miniseries. Yeah, it does pick up in the second half. It is somewhat of a slog to get through. That's kind of part of, like, the Western genre, is that it's usually a much slower pace. And it's also a miniseries, so just like with TV shows, it's a slower start. But with a miniseries, it's literally like, here is the base, and then we're going to get you to, like, the summit. Right, yeah, like, miniseries versus, like, an actual show. Miniseries is, like, a finite amount where a show exactly. can go forever. I feel like a show would try to put more in the first couple right away. I'm still just trying to judge it on what I saw, but I still think, even for what I saw, if the focus was spread out a little too much. I do not like Bill McNew. You're not supposed to. Well, I don't like his character character, I should say. I don't like his story either. Like, I kind of find it sympathetic. I don't get what the whole thing with him, his eyesight going, which I don't get. Like, people knew about glasses. Ben Franklin invented the bifocals, you know, glasses with two different prescriptions in the lens in, you know, a hundred years before this. People I know, know when he about, got glasses. Why was that not the first thought? Oh, my vision's going bad. Probably should get some glasses. Why is that not your first thought? Glasses have been around. I looked it up. They were invented in the 13th century, so they're around for like 500 years. You should know about glasses. I don't think he didn't know about glasses. He didn't really know about them when the doctor gave it to him. He was like, oh, what are these? Oh, oh, they kind of do give me a headache. Oh, 
I mean, I just feel like he was more superstitious and wanted to not rely on modern medicine or not even modern medicine to not rely on other things to fix him. He just thought, I'm deteriorating. This is it. Yeah, I guess. I feel like Bill is the character in it that you relate to based on old Westerns. Like if this was an old Western, I feel like Bill would be the focus. He would be the main character. And so they had to add like the sheriff person in it to relate it to, not relate it, but to compare and contrast with the women in the town. Yeah. But then then like, then what's Whitey there for? He's the deputy. Yeah. But I feel like Whitey kind of fills that role. He could have still been the deputy and like the sheriff, like Bill could have just been like dead or just off. Like, like, oh, he left a while ago and Whitey still just calls himself the deputy. I don't know. I just feel like you didn't need both Whitey and Bill. I feel like both of those characters are kind of filling the same purpose. And because I liked Whitey so much more, I'm like, why do we need Bill? I think it's more so because Bill is, like I said, deteriorating. Yeah. And they needed someone else there, but he has too much pride. And I feel like he didn't want to abandon the town after all of the men died in the mining accident. So he was probably hired on Whitey to help him out just so he wouldn't abandon the town and they would still have protection. I don't like him. I don't think he's needed in the show. And I think maybe it would have picked it up a bit more. I forgot about him. I can't remember when it was, but like at one point he's off on his story. And then when it cuts back to him, I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot he was in this show. Like (laughs) I completely forgot about the character. And he's a jerk to his daughter because his wife died in childbirth and his daughter doesn't talk. So he's just like, fuck you, you killed my wife. Yeah. Like, he literally, that's what he says. He says, like, I'm, I can't forgive her for killing her. I'm like, she didn't kill her. She was a fetus turned to baby. Like, she had no say in the matter. <laughs> Calm down. One of the things that we need to talk about is Alice's timeline. They do not make that clear. It's so all over the place. So what yeah. I had was that she said when she was 17, her first husband died. So she did right. say husband. And then Whitey says that she was gone for six years before coming back to live bell but was a widow twice before she was 21 so how does that even make sense yeah wow i didn't even catch that yeah she had come back to labelle her husband at the time who was the native american went into town died and they didn't help him but that's already when they had been back in town maybe that husband was her third husband (laughs) and there's a secret second husband that we don't even know about i don't know when i heard whitey explaining about alice i was just like oh that doesn't add up they're like meant to say four but he said six and no one caught it like four years would make sense six doesn't i don't know that could just be a very easy like mistake someone didn't catch i think that leads into what uh, my issue with the show is is that it's focused on too many things and because so it little mistakes like that are gonna fall through and i mean i don't think it's enough to like completely ruin my enjoyment of the show but it does kind of you know chip away at it a little bit you know yeah i think the point of the many stories is that they all come together right they'll have the point where they're like oh shit like it's not a spoiler. I haven't seen this since it came out in 2017, so I honestly cannot remember what happens, but I'm pretty sure it all comes together when they need to fight Frank Griffin. Right, and you can definitely tell that's what it's leading to. Like, at the final episode, there's going to be, you know, big gun battle. Yeah. Probably in LaBelle. Probably a bunch of the women besides just, like, Alice and Mary. Because those are the only two that you really see, like, shooting anything. Yeah. And, like, I could tell it was all kind of building toward that. And maybe 
when I watch, maybe in a couple of weeks after I finish this, I'll bring it up again in one of the intros. Or in our bonus episodes. <laughs> or, yeah, or in one of our bonus episodes. Like, you know what, guys? I was completely wrong. It all comes together in the end. It all works perfectly. Bill McNew, he is like the most essential. If you take him out, the whole thing falls apart. Like, I don't know. Honestly, I'm hoping that is what happens. You know, I always want to love stuff. And, and I saying, mean, this one has such high ratings. Right. And that's what I heard. And that always kind of makes me weary when I hear too many good things about a show. Because then your expectations are so high. Right. I will say, I really like the shooting in this. Not the cinematography, but the literal like, like the guns. gun shooting. It's quick. It's stylish. They shoot it in such a cool way, but it's not like... If you've ever watched some of the old Westerns, they're really slow. Like, it's like... Huh, ting, what a, uh, boom. And this one is... Like, it's so much quicker and, like, actually feels real versus, like, some older Westerns, which kind of feel like bullets went a lot slower back then, huh? <laughs> I think it was a lot of the movie magic back then, too. They weren't as fast yeah. and couldn't pick it up, so you had to be like, instead yeah. of pew pew. <laughs> right, right. No, I was, everything like that. I really love the scene with the snake and the baby. You, you can't talk yet. You're like, gun, boom. <laughs> I want to know your take on Jeff Daniels' character. First of all, were you surprised? Oh, yeah. To see him in this type of role and just in the first three episodes, like what was your take on him? My take, one, I knew it was Jeff Daniels right away. Well, yeah, but um, in this type of role, like when I think of Jeff Daniels, I know he does serious roles, but I don't usually think of him as playing a bad guy. And normally I think of him no. in Dumb and Dumber. I used to associate him with Dumb and Dumber, but I've seen him so much more in like The Martian and Looper. And I think he's in Interstellar. Might be in Interstellar or he might not be in The Martian. I don't know. He's in either The Martian or <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> or both. Some space movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really associate him with Dumb and Dumber anymore. So I wasn't shocked by it. But I will say it felt to me like he was trying to be Jeff Bridges from True Grit. I haven't seen that. So I couldn't compare. Just watch some clips of Jeff Bridges in, in True Grit and you'll be like, yeah, Jeff Bridges in True Grit is a good guy. He's a good Like he's a virtuous character. But like the accent and the way he's talking and just like they both have like the long hair and the scraggly beard. Well, I feel like they both could have just been channeling old Western characters yeah, like it could have been not that he's trying to be him it literally could have just been like hey watch some old westerns some spaghetti westerns and we will go with what accent you get yeah the look is what they all pretty much look like <laughs> yeah that's that's true he's just know, an he old white like, guy who looks like another old white guy it's a good performance by him like jeff daniels he's a good actor he always puts in a good performance i just all i could think of was jeff bridges and it just kept coming into my head so like anytime he's trying to be really like evil which is like every scene he's in to me like every scene is just like here's another evil thing he does if he's not raping someone or blackmailing someone or killing people he's probably sleeping yeah I, I don't know I feel like they do they ever I don't want to ask really but like I'm curious to I would be curious to like do they ever give him any humanity or is it just complete ink black bad guy I'm you know? pretty sure that they do and they go into the story of Roy and Frank more like the okay. Back story of those two characters and what happened between them. Because in the story that Frank Griffin tells the Norwegian family about his childhood and the guy killing like his whole family and taking him in and that was his new pa. Yeah. And he was like, I did that for Roy Good. And yeah. so you're going to learn through the second half of the series about him yeah. taking in Roy Good. It honestly, it 
reminded me a lot of uh, Red Dead Redemption, if you've ever played. It reminded me a lot of that, kind of. Like, you know, it's a bad guy trying to kind of turn good, but, you know, he's kind of being hunted by his old gang. Kind of like, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. Technically, that's like a trope of the Western genre. Bad guy kind of turns good, gang still following him. That's not Red Dead's thing. That's They, they can't lay claim to that. It's just Western. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Whitey being one of your favorite characters. Like, I love him. He's such a great comic relief and Thomas Bodie Sangster is just in so many of these good Netflix miniseries. Like he's also in The Queen's Gambit. He's always a side character for like a little bit of relief, a little bit of let's turn the pressure down a little bit when he's on screen. I know. And I love that. Like when I see him, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I agree. Like he's such a baby face, too. He is. He's one of those guys that even when he's in his 40s, I feel like he's going to have that baby face and he's always going to look like a 20 year old. One of the last things that I wanted to talk about was Mary McNew. Mary McNew. Mary McNew. Her character's so great. Like, she's had to adapt. A woman wearing pants? That's sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny just to think that back then, people actually was like, oh, she's wearing pants. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> I love that about her, that she took charge after the mining oh, yeah. accident. She's like, somebody has to. It annoyed me so much when Bill said that she wasn't maternal anymore. That was just the wrong thing to say, because she literally takes care of his kids. Care of everything. so sweet to them. Yeah. She takes care of Whitey. She's just not the traditional feminine mother yeah. stereotype, which honestly, like, you don't have to be if you don't want to. She was like, and it's not working out for me in the situation. I got to step up. And she stepped up and then she uh, started dating the uh, hooker, right? The whore teacher. Whore teacher. (laughs) The whore teacher. I love her character. She's just a trailblazer. I really hope that Alice ends the series as a madame of a whorehouse. That's what I want her. Like that that, that conversation. She's like, oh, yeah, you can make a lot of money by being a whore. She's like, how much? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, wait, how much? And they're like, oh, shit. Like they were the bankrollers of the old rest because like everyone would go to like no matter what shit that's that's an i thought that was a really interesting take that no one really thought of and i like that the school she was teaching in was the whorehouse <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was no need uh, for the whorehouse because all the men died so turn it into yep. a school um i mean i gotta say this because it has to happen every episode the new pastor the new priest is coming in from scranton oh right like oh, when I... you heard that you must have been like fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, when I, heard, I remember yeah when they said that i'm like ah oh, geez so we're gonna we're talking about the office again i got so, it okay Scranton? Scranton. Say what? Scranton? Say what? The Electric City. (laughs) Fuck you, Jamie. (laughs) Just fuck you. Because of the electricity. (laughs) The compact cars go in the compact spot. 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 (laughs) Okay. 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 (laughs) We got the one in. We got the one in. Mark it down. Right on. I just wanted to say that this show I loved when I saw it and I haven't seen it since the first time. But my God, the feminism, the LGBTQ, the biracial relationships, it's all set in the West in like the 1800s. Like, fuck yes. The inclusion in this show is great. They have Native Americans playing Native Americans. And not Johnny Depp. (laughs) (laughs) This show includes so much. And that's why I chose it as the alternative Western, because it's not male driven like most Westerns are. I mean, it's definitely like it's the traditional western in the fact that it's set in the west yeah and like and has has the tropes but focusing mostly on women is not a trope of the western genre you want to remind them of your guesses yeah let's jump into the rating so my guess for objective competence for the first three episodes was a b what was your answer for that my answer was 
a B minus. Oh, cool. One off. I think the main thing that brought it down, I thought it was too unfocused and I thought they didn't utilize the landscape enough. Oh, really? I thought they put it in beautifully, like in the traveling shots and in the setting up shots. I thought it was done I beautifully. I just felt like, and, and maybe this is what their intent was and maybe I just disagree with what their intent, but it felt like it tried to make it everything look dirty and grungy. Like the Old West? The, yeah, but like there's still really beautiful parts of it and I don't think they highlighted those as much. Okay. All right. So for personal enjoyment, I guessed a seven out of 10. And I gave it a five out of 10. I'm very just like right down the middle with this. I'm not loving it. I'm not disliking it that much. Right down the middle. All right. And then for rewatchability slash will he finish it? I gave it a four. And I said a two. I mean, I'll probably finish it. Maybe. The problem is the episodes are so long that you got to have to have the time just to sit down and watch an episode. <laughs> yeah. So I gave it a two because I put like even if I finish it, I probably won't ever put this on again. But if somebody put it on or like, hey, do you want to watch this? I definitely wouldn't say no. So I gave it a two. So my thoughts for the bonus episodes when we get to them is we yes. finish watching the mini series and you give me your new answers for them. I'm done with that. Yeah, I like that. OK, so that was godless. So you're off by five. Right on. All cool. right. Which brings us to my suggestion, which was Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. I guess I'll start with my uh, guesses before I get into anything. My guesses were like almost the same as my ratings. For objective competency, I thought you gave it a B plus. For personal enjoyment, I thought you gave it a five out of 10. And for rewatchability, I thought you gave it a two out of five. Okay, so The Mandalorian was created by Jon Favreau and stars Pedro Pascal, Nick Nolte, Carl Weathers, Gina Carano, Taika Waititi, and... Giancarlo Esposito. Set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi and the fall of the Empire, the Mandalorian follows a lone bounty hunter in the outer reaches of the galaxy who has to go on the run after refusing to eliminate his target, simply known as the Child. I'm also going to go through the episodes real quick. So the first episode, episode one, which was directed by Dave Filoni, is about the Mandalorian bounty hunter that tracks a target for a well-paying mysterious client. And then episode four was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard and follows the Mandalorian as he teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a farming village from raiders. Episode 7 was directed by Deborah Chow and follows an old contract that extends an invitation to the Mandalorian to seek peace with his enemies. And the finale of Season 1, Episode 8, was directed by Taika Waititi and follows the Mandalorian and his allies as they come to know their true enemy, who already knows much about them. So... What did you think? What did you like? What did you not like? Would you change anything? I'll start with what I liked. I liked the Mandalorian. <laughs> you actually liked his character? Yeah, like, this is a weird thing to say, but I was more attracted to him in the helmet than I was without the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Like, as a person, not, like, sexually attracted to him. Just, like, as the character, I liked him not seeing his face. When I thought of what he was going to be like, the only thing I had was Boba Fett to compare him right. to. I really liked the style and the character that they were able to create from someone who has no facial expressions. Oh, yeah. It's so crazy how much work they have to do. I feel like it's a lot in, like, how he says things. Mm -hmm. And just, like, his body movements. Right, like... <laughs> The tiniest movements mean 
means so much. I know. I watched this video about like shows and movies where there's like characters that like don't show their face for most of it. And like it connected it back to this Japanese style of like performing called No. Apparently that influenced George Lucas a lot, like in the original trilogy, because you see that in Darth Vader a lot. They create a really good character in a mask. It all comes full circle. I don't know. I just was trying to nerd out there for a second. <laughs> I love this show so much. I think that's a worry for everyone going into it. It's like how you center a show on a character who doesn't show his face. Yeah. And they just pull it off beautifully. They did. John Favreau is just a genius. He really is. Like that dude, he's honestly like one of the biggest people in Hollywood right now. Oh God, like, I, I know. Like, I love him. Like Matt and I are watching, I've already seen it, but we're watching The Chef Show on Netflix with John Favreau and Roy Troy. Oh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I haven't seen the show. I've seen the movie. I've seen his movie Chef, but I haven't seen the show. The show is so good. I love John Favreau just in general. I've always loved him. So him doing this is fantastic. And I'm so happy he got to be in like the Star Wars world. And then another thing that I really like, the child. I get the obsession. He's perfect and I love him and I will do anything for him. <laughs> Right. Just the second you see him, that's all you need. Just the and little you're like, fingers yep. pointing and going to poke each other. It's like a little ET. Aw. You're like, oh my God, I will do anything for you. I wish they didn't make him like super baby ish. Like the noises. What do you mean, They're baby-ish? She's 50 cute. years old. They're very cute, but some of the noises were too baby ish. Too, yeah. Too baby ish. It's a little bit, but it's also like, he's just so damn cute. I don't, there's nothing, I can't can't see anything wrong with him even he's when so like sweet. he's like eating the frog i know like, it's gross but it's so cute because he just like <laughs> swallows a frog that's like the size of him he's like Whoa. and then he chokes the girl cara dune i love when he was choking her and they're like what the hell is happening and yeah. he's like no 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 she's with us she's good <laughs> she's friends she's friends <laughs> he's so sweet and one of the things like i read up on it john favreau was talking to donald glover about it donald glover suggested that he keep the child a secret until the very first episode like don't tell anyone and he was like, that's a huge thing for suspense and like shock. He compared it to Beyonce not ever saying she's releasing an album and then just putting one online. That's where the hype comes from is oh, yeah. the excitement of, oh, my God. <laughs> and the craziest thing was he like threw his weight around there because like he even told like Disney, like, no, you cannot produce any merchandise yeah. until this episode airs. People were like, why did Disney not produce like a bunch of Baby Yoda stuff? Because then they couldn't have kept it a secret They actually for once we're able to keep something secret in Hollywood like there are so many times we're like oh this toy or this Lego or this pop thing gave away a spoiler because it mentioned something I'm like finally they did it and I'm so happy they did I love Baby Yoda let's do a Baby Yoda podcast it's great when he removed the poison from the guild guy wouldn't he have absorbed the poison I don't think it was really him removing poison as much I thought it was more him healing but when the bird dinosaur alien things when they attacked in this episode 7 right yeah the Cara Dune chick was like the poison is spreading like we need more first aid kits oh yeah huh the child puts his hands on the guy and heals him but wouldn't he have absorbed the poison and I'm not gonna say any spoilers here but what happens in episode 9 not episode 9 of the Mandalorian but episode 9 Star Wars episode 9 yeah <laughs> the, the Rise of Skywalker yeah. Um, it's actually really interesting because the episode 7 dropped like a week before episode nine came out or maybe like two weeks so it was like right around the same time it was definitely that like year and that time so like they're kind of like setting it up because it's the first time they really show it in like the main star wars canon of force healing yeah so i think they kind of wanted to show it to these people so that people would be like no 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 it's not the first time in a movie 
it's first time here. Don't worry about it. But back to your original question, would he have absorbed the poison? The way I understand force healing, it's more of like you give some of your life force to the other person to just heal them of whatever ails them. Oh, and since the child is going to live for hundreds of years, it doesn't really do anything healing that guy. It's not like even if someone's dying, you have to give out so much that you're going to die too then. I don't think he's actually like literally like using the force to suck out the poison. I think he's using the force to like eliminate the poison in his body. It's the force. It's magic, baby. (laughs) Space magic. Space magic. (laughs) Okay, so one of the things that I didn't really like, I totally get it. And this is like a little thing. I don't like being introduced to new characters, liking them a lot. Then they just kill them off. And the only one that I could justify is the nurse droid. That's the only one oh. they killed off that I could justify. That I didn't uh, like that they killed him off. One, I liked him as a bounty droid, IG-11. Who is, do you know who voices him? Yeah. Taika Waititi. Yeah. I liked it because I liked in episode one when he's just there and he's just come like waltzing in and he's like what are you doing? No. <laughs> I liked when they got to the child and they were talking about how old he is and he's like how old are they? And the droid just goes, sadly we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. How old can it get sadly we'll never know i thought i really liked ig11 just like three times in that first episode he's like we are doomed gonna self-destruct he now. just wanted like, to die yeah he's like no stop it just no bad robot we will figure this out that he just wanted to die he's like just let me die i love how it comes back like you're saying I like know. how he dies in the last episode he does what he kept trying to do in the first but like this one is to save the child not to kill it i don't know i just really liked it. and i really loved uh Nick Nolte's character. Yes. Uh, Quill? Can Quill? never remember his. Quail. Quail. I was looking at it on IMDb. I'm like, Quill? It's K U I I L. How do you get. Qu- I guess you get Quill. But yeah, the I have spoken. I know. that. I loved that line because it was so comical when he was like, I'm going with you. I have spoken. <laughs> and he just, it comes up like three separate times. Like, I wish they didn't have to kill him. Like, I get. Oh, yeah. I get it. But why do you have to die? I just don't like that they killed him off. I feel like he could have continued to be such a good character. It's like the West, the Wild West. I know. You, know? They, you just get gunned down. You know, we haven't really talked about that, how much of a Western this show actually is. And I think it actually loses a little bit of it in, actually, no, scratch that. I was about to say, I think it loses a little bit of it in season two, but then I remembered like the first three episodes and I'm like, nope, that's totally <laughs> Western. Like it definitely feels like a West, like the opening scene is so cliched Western, you know? Oh yeah, it's just a space Western. <laughs> yeah, I literally looked up when I was like, you know, writing my intro for it on Wikipedia. It says Mandalorian is a 2018 space western show. I'm like, what? Uh, I didn't know that was a genre. Okay. <laughs> like the horses were the blurks. They were just yeah. fish with feet. And that cracked me up. But I was like, those are the horses. <laughs> those are the horses. And you know what's cool? Like if you went to a different planet, they'd be different horses. Uh, you don't really see any of the different horses. But sometimes horses are the speeder bikes. That's a horse. Oh, I love Loved IG coming in with Baby Yoda in the pouch, just shooting up people in the last episode. That was cool. And Baby Yoda's like, yeah! <laughs> he like stands there and he's like, shit. And he turns his body around and then just turns his 
head around and start shooting to hide Baby Yoda. In episode eight, right before that happens, the beginning conversation between the two... Scout troopers. Yeah, the stormtroopers. Between the two scout troopers. That was so funny. I was cracking up the whole time. Do you know who those are? I knew they would be someone, but I didn't look it up. It's uh, Jason Sudeikis and Adam Paley. Pally. I don't know how to say his last name. There's a couple of little cameos like that throughout the series. Like, that's just so funny. They're like, can I see it? No. No. <laughs> and he's like, he just killed some people on our side. Just don't like, look at the child. Just leave him alone. I just want to see what it looks like. Is it alive? I don't think it's alive. Right. Dude. And then they make the whole comical thing of shooting and their guns just completely miss. <laughs> and they just like can't hit the fucking rock at all. And they're like, is it working? What the fuck? And they just suck. It's just so funny. That cracked me up. And then the nurse droid shows up and he was all badass. <laughs> It's, it's such a good show. God, I, you're talking too good about it right now because I'm like, oh, no, my guesses. But at the same time, I'm really happy you liked it because I really want you to like it because I really like it. Were you confused at any point? Did you know when this took place? Like when the series started or not? Between six and seven, right? Yes. Five years after episode six. Yes. I knew it was between those two. Okay. You didn't know exactly when. So, But you weren't really confused at any point. No. Did you know this is kind of near the end of the season, uh, actually the way end. What did you think of the main villain, Moff Gideon, coming out of the TIE fighter at the end of the season? I don't think he should have survived. (laughs) Okay. I don't think that, but I guess he goes into season two. He's still the main bad in season two, yeah. I didn't really think anything of it. I wish he wasn't just introduced in the last episode. Yeah. It definitely seems like he's kind of like the puppet master kind of thing. He's definitely a much better villain in the second season because we get to see more of him. He just shows up and they expect you to know who he is. Right. Which he's not a character from other Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Like this is a brand new character. What did you think of his lightsaber? It was like a sword. <laughs> yeah. That's what I wanted to ask. I was curious if you knew anything about it. It's actually like a big Star Wars thing. I know nothing about the sword. Right. It's called the Darksaber and it's actually it was the first Mandalorian Jedi's lightsaber and it's kind of like this huge artifact for Mandalorians where whoever wields it like rules Mandalorian kind of thing. Oh. That's why I was curious because like that moment is so different for like you versus me because when I see that I knew what the Darksaber was. So I'm sitting there when I watch it I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god how did he get that? Oh my God. But he was supposed to have it. Now he has it. But how did he? Oh, oh what's going to happen? And you're just like. No, it's a sword. <laughs> yeah, that's a sword. That's a sword. <laughs> I was just like, oh, cool. That's oh, a cool. sword. <laughs> it looks like a sword instead of just like a beam. I like it. Is he a space pirate? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get your opinions on episode four in particular. The one where the chick wanted to fuck the Mandalorian? Yes, I guess. that That's not the episode description I went with. But <laughs> are you sure you watched the right one? This was on Disney Plus. Plus, not Disney XXX. Yeah, the chick wanted to fuck the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, that's what I got from that episode was like, okay, that was a good episode, but it, it definitely was a filler episode. I chose that one because it introduces Cara Dune. Yeah. I wanted you to know who she was. And it also is kind of like the gist of the show. It's like he kind of goes from one place to another, doing little odd jobs, protecting people, getting involved in stuff, while also trying to like run away from like the bounty hunting guild and everything. There was a lot of people who did not like that episode. And 
I didn't understand it because I thought it was great. A great little episode of like him kind of like taking the time, like potentially considering settling down. I don't know. I just think it really works. I love the environment they're in because everything else is like gray or brown or like yellow and dusty and dirty. And this one is just like nice and lush and green. And then like the shot of the ATTE walking through the woods with the red eyes. I just thought this episode was really great. And one of the best lines was in it when him and the girl were fighting and then the child walks out holding the soup and he's just like you want some soup (laughs) (laughs) that became like one of the best memes i know of that time with like him just sitting there with the The soup soup in little robe one thing that i wish they made more clear was what exactly happened to the other mandalorian like the like blacksmith mandalorian lady all of the stuff was there and she was melting it all down and creating new stuff but she was just like they left some like took the armor off like what exactly happened to them i don't understand basically what happened to him is like if they disbanded because they were kind of you know like a secret collection of like mandalorians like in hiding so i guess this goes into an episode you didn't watch i watched the whole season i think it's in episode two or three when like all of them come out to help mando escape like they were like exposed then so people are like oh there's a giant cluster of mandalorians like what's going on so i think some of them like just a group of them left to go start another group and then some of them just took off the armor and were like we're done with this life and then she i think was like i need to you know get everything out of this place because this is ours and then it doesn't really tell you what happens to her like it's not brought up at all in season two not to my knowledge so maybe in season three the last thing i wanted to talk about was um what did you think about him actually removing his helmet in the last episode i thought it was fine yeah yeah i mean the nurse droid not a living thing that point was made clear he trusted the nurse droid enough which showed that point in time was when he fully trusted the nurse droid and was like you need to be with me and that's why he was so bummed out when the nurse droid died right and yeah i didn't think it was a big deal of him taking off his helmet there were you disappointed that it just looked like pedro pascal that they didn't like try to judge him up or anything not really i saw a lot of chatter online afterwards that like they didn't like give him a cool scar or like he just looks like normal pedro pascal i'm like yeah that's the point like one of the things that i researched for that was something happened to him before shooting that scene where he injured his face and had to get like stitches on it and he came back to film that scene still with his blood and new stitches in so some of that <laughs> blood in that scene is his is actually real his blood, blood? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> that was cool. But no, like, I was thought it was fine he removed his helmet. Like, yeah. I thought it would happen sooner, honestly. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised you thought it was happening sooner. Like, I think everyone kind of expected it to happen at some point. But I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say it was, uh, you thought it was going to happen sooner. Did you thought it was going to get, like, knocked off by someone? Like, someone's going to, like, pull it off? Or um, no. I just thought, like, he was going to need to take it off for some reason. I just reason. thought it would show, because it showed, like, a lot of his downtime. I mean, I thought it was just going to show him, like, oh, relaxing. Oh, by himself. Yeah. Take yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could have seen that. Yeah. Maybe like show him like taking it off, but then like cuts and you're like, ah. Yeah. Or just show like the back of his head when he takes it <laughs> right. off or something. I mean, it shows, it shows him as a kid. Yeah. Like, I guess you can kind of guess like what he's going to look like. And I knew it was Pedro Pascal. So I knew what yeah, Pedro and everyone Pascal looks like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did they know that it was Pedro Pascal the whole time? Like, or was that a secret kept until the final episode? No, that was public. Okay. Um, although there was, apparently there's a little uproar when like people found out that like, for about like half the time it was just random people in the suit because of course it is like yeah he was you don't need to be there so that's what I read is that there was a couple people who played the Mandalorian because he has a mask on so he didn't need to be there and right. they all worked together to learn the characteristics and mannerisms of the like guy the, yeah the movements mm-hmm. and the, the head tilts and all that good stuff I, I don't think there's a problem with that I don't know why people got upset 
realize that, honestly. It seems weird. Yeah, that pretty much covers everything. Like I said, it's a great show, guys. Go check it out. Uh, season three coming out in like six months or so. Do you want to remind everyone your guesses? Okay, so for objective competence, I said a B plus. I gave it an A. Ah, okay, one off. For personal enjoyment, I guessed a 5 out of 10. Gave it a 9 out of 10. I oh. loved this. <laughs> uh, I knew it was during this discussion. I knew I'm like, 5 out of 10 is so low. Why would you think that I didn't I like don't know. this? I've watched Star Wars with you. You were there when you introduced me to Star Wars. We went to see the movie in theaters. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I just, I don't know. I just thought like, because it's so, it's a little different from like the Star Wars movies where it's like slow and not as quick pace not because it's a action. tv show so I, not I a movie know. yeah i don't know i thought i just didn't think like it was gonna super hit for you and then we watch i gave it a two out of five i gave it a four out of five i'll probably oh watch this God. yeah <laughs> it's yeah like i would definitely give like it's a really rewatchable show like I, when i rewatched it i was kind of bummed i should have just rewatched the whole first season i just rewatched one four seven eight but then i'm like oh wait that was in that episode dang it i wanted to see that part <laughs> All right, so let's see. You win. I win. Dang, these miniseries are really like where I thrive. <laughs> yeah, you, that's what, you just got to stick with the miniseries. I got to get back on the movies. That's what I got to do. I got some more good miniseries that like I'm going to suggest eventually, but that's my last one for right now. <laughs> I have an ace in the hole. I have a show. You're going to be so bummed to find out that I have already watched that show, whatever I show it be. is. But that's something that I feel like we need to talk about. Like a lot of what we've been doing the first five episodes is more so in the category of have you seen it where we haven't seen these. But that's not always going to be the case. No, because eventually it's going to be really hard to find a category that we both agree on that's like timely that also has two good suggestions for each of us. There's just a little a little teaser that it's not always going to be like this. We have some stuff coming up in a couple episodes, actually, where it's going to be completely different from us suggesting something for the other to watch. Right. It's still going to be, we're still going to be trying to guess the other's reactions and we're still going to be playing mini games and we're going to have our bonus segments. Don't worry. But the have you seen that, we're just going to kind of, that might be switching to kind of a more general discussion. Yeah. So I'm really excited for those, but we're still going to have this kind of discussion, like suggestions and then guessing what the other thought. All right. I think that means it's time for our mini segment. So for this week, since we're doing alternative westerns, I thought we would do a evolution of, which is kind of a mini segment where we just kind of go through the life and career of someone in Hollywood, someone in entertainment. And since we're doing alternative westerns, we thought we'd do Clint Eastwood. Who is the epitome of western. <laughs> right. You know, especially like today, you hear Clint Eastwood, you just think western. You think, make my day. <laughs> That's not even a western. That's in Dirty Harry. But it feels like a western because it has those like just the gruff growl man it's an and alternative the, western it's an alternative western and it's actually really interesting because like he kind of made like kind of pioneered the alternative westerns kind of he started it yeah from what i saw like his were kind of the first movies like the man with no name series the good bad and the ugly fistful of dollars and another one i can't remember those were like the first one where the protagonist the main guy wasn't necessarily a good guy you know yeah. all the other ones they're always share 
Gandalfs and good people that rode off into the sunset at the end of the film. John Wayne going, hey, pilgrims. Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. John Wayne is like the proto-Western and then like Clint Eastwood is like the neo-Western kind of. And it's so cool. Like he is one of the last people from like the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. And he was in like the spaghetti Westerns turning into actual like good Western movies. So that documentary you sent me, or not that one, I watched another one on Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And I learned something. I learned a lot of things. Oh yeah, me too. I learned that I didn't know anything about Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, same. I also realized I have not watched so many of his movies. God, I know. Acting and directing. Same. I learned why Spaghetti Westerns are called Spaghetti Westerns. Why? Because most of them were made in Italy. I feel like I knew that. I feel like I knew that. That sounds so familiar. Like but the yeah, Man that makes with so No much Name sense. series was done by a Sergio Leone, who, you know, famous Italian director. Who was one of his influences. Yeah. I know why I know that. Because in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio's oh, character goes to Italy or goes to Europe. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Italy. And like, I think it is. <laughs> films Westerns. Yeah. I think I knew that too then because I've seen that movie. I just forgot about it. <laughs> But how weird is that? It's, it's like so like, bizarre. Why would you call it spaghetti? Well, that makes no sense. Like, what other things would you do that for? Like, if it was, like, filmed in England, would you call it a tea and crumpets western? That's funny. Now I want to think of... <laughs> just, like, what con- in each country, what would the thing be? Like, in America, it would just become, like, a guns and beer western. If it was a western filmed in, like, Asia, would it be a ramen western? A ramen western? I guess they're, like, their main dish. Like, the main dish for each country. I know. A fish and chips western there you go so, that's yeah, a good one hey, that's that's a good one is it just a hot dog western if it's an american one Ew, i don't ever want to hear hot dog western again <laughs> hot dog western <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, get back uh, to Clint uh, Eastwood. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we got off track there. I watched the documentary and Derek watched the couple. This dude is so insane. Like when I thought of Clint Eastwood, I thought of actor. But my God, the amount of movies he has directed that have been fantastic. Like I did not realize he was such an amazing director. Right. I agree. I used to think equal parts actor, director. But after reading up on him, watching those documentaries, I definitely think of him more just like a world class, master class director. And not every single one of his films is you know huge like money makers or even amazing and he even admitted that yeah like and i like that i will say i don't know why but anytime i think of clint eastward i think of him talking like this yes no matter what but he actually just talks like a normal guy like this and i'm like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> i've always thought of him as his movie voice but right. when i heard his normal voice i was like that's not clint eastwood yeah in, in the first documentary he sent me he's just like talking over stuff i'm like who's talking right now and it cuts to him i'm like wait no that's <laughs> That's not That's Clint not <laughs> He has a super gravelly low voice, not just like a normal guy voice, but it's like, no, normal guy voice. Yeah, it just seems like he kept his Western voice for all of his acting gigs, even where they're not yeah. Westerns. He kept his Western voice for a million dollar yeah, baby. kept it in every single thing he's in. All of like, them. Trouble with the Curve. Yeah. Like that one, he still has the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if he doesn't talk like that, why does he act like that? I don't know. I guess maybe just to keep that persona, keep that like reputation going. Yeah, I thought it was cool that when he got his very first directing job, he was like, I want to direct this. And he did. And they said they wouldn't pay him. And he was like, good, you shouldn't pay me. Like, you don't know if I'm good or not. He's like, I wouldn't accept it. I don't like that, but at the same time, I'd be like, dude, no, get paid. You find out the type of guy he is at that point. Right. Like, he's such a cool dude when he's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm 
good. I just want to try this out. Just like I think it was um, Hillary Swank who said like, yeah, I love that quote that he said. He's like, oh, you always aim for the bullseye, but you don't always hit it. Yeah. Yeah. He's always trying. He's always shooting a shot, but he's not going to like hit one out of the park every time. And even when he does hit one out of the park, it's not going to please everyone. Like I remember hearing about uh, Richard Jewell when that came out a couple years ago. I remember it being like really split, you know, like half the people thought it was an amazing like film. And then like another half of the people thought it was like, eh, it was a little too dramatic. I've seen a couple of his movies that he's been in that I didn't even know he directed, like the Gran Torino. Didn't know he directed Mm -hmm. that. The one he directed that I had no idea was Mystic River. I saw that when I was really young, which is probably not a movie I should have watched really young. But I remember it being fantastic. Like, I want to go back and watch that knowing that he directed that. There's so many movies I want to go back and watch. Like his evolution from just being (laughs) a golden age of Hollywood actor who was beautiful. Like, I didn't know he was so good looking when he was young. And he can sing. Like, he's a great musician. Like, how they talked about how he scores his stuff. Yeah, that was the craziest part. They just talked talk about, I was like, yeah, I like musicians and he's playing the piano. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He also knows how to do with that. And he's like, and I've scored a lot of my movies. And I'm like, what? And I look it up. He's like, yeah, he scored like seven of his own movies. I'm like, what is this dude? And did you also know that he was mayor of yep. a city in California? Yeah. Like what? In like the mid 80s of uh, Carmel, California, like he was the mayor. And then the best part is everyone thought like, oh, he was going to be the mayor to become like a senator or something like that because he was so popular. He's like, no, I just wanted to try this and <laughs> it was fun and now I'm done. I'm like, what? He just does whatever he wants. He's getting up there in age. He's in his, what, 80s now? Gotta be at least, right? He was born in 1930, so he is 90. Dang. So yeah, he's getting up there in age and his legacy will live on. Like the people in the documentaries, the actors who worked with him, the producers, just cinematographers even, who talked about working with him. Such high praise. I know. There's going to be people who remember him as the actor and then there's going to be people who remember him solely as the director. Derek and I are going to go into like a Clint Eastwood binge. Clint Eastwood podcast. (gasps) We have so many podcasts, you guys. We got a SpongeBob one. We got a Baby Yoda one. We got a Clint Eastwood one. We have this one. But yeah, so that was our little segment of the evolution of Clint Eastwood. If you didn't know, just look up Clint Eastwood documentary on YouTube. There's several up there and just learn about this dude. I think the most interesting one was the one you sent me. It was the WB one. So it's not long either. It was like an hour long. Yeah, it's only an hour. If you want to just really learn about an interesting man and like his career, go check it out. Which leads us to our All right, Derek, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. My mini game is bad movie descriptions. For those of you who don't know, basically, I'm going to read out a bad a description of a movie. Well, a bad movie. A bad description of a movie. <laughs> a very bad description of a movie. That was a bad description of the game, bad movie descriptions. <laughs> yes, I did that on purpose. I was 100% intentional. But like I said, I read a bad description of a movie. Jamie tries to guess it. So I got three for you here. I believe you'll definitely have heard of all these. I think there's one that you've probably seen. So number one, a sheltered pet lizard finds himself in the grip of an identity crisis. Rango? Yeah. It's a Johnny Depp movie. Of course I've seen it. Yeah, that's the one I thought you've definitely (laughs) seen. This one's a bit tricky. A man named Leo wanders a frozen wasteland in search of Oscar. 
The Revenant? Yeah! I was like, Leonardo DiCaprio, Frozen. That has to be The Revenant. I haven't even seen that movie. <laughs> the actual movie description was Leonardo DiCaprio wanders a frozen wasteland in search of an Oscar, but that just gives it away. That's no fun. And he won the Oscar for that movie, didn't he? Finally won the Oscar for that movie. We watched that when he won a video of us watching when they announced Leonardo DiCaprio winning, and we're like, yes, finally! He did it! You still have that video? <laughs> Probably. If you find it, post it up. I will. Let the viewers see. Alright, and the last one. When a passive sheep farmer falls for a mysterious young woman in town, he must put his newfound courage to the test and challenge her notorious gun-slinging husband. I know it's not this, and it's not even a western, but when you said a sheep farmer and a young woman comes down and he has to, like, woo her, immediately just went to the Bible. Yes, it's the Bible. I chose the Bible. You chose the Bible? Good job. (laughs) I win. (laughs) No, it's not the Bible. Do you want me to give you a actor or the director of the film? Give me an actor in it. I'll give you two of the main actors. I'll give you the one of the main leads and the uh, villain. The villain is Liam Neeson, and one of the main leads is Charlize Theron. I, I couldn't tell you. It's a million ways to die in the West. Ah, oh, see, I was Seth MacFarlane film. It. Oh no! Don't watch it. It is not a good film. <laughs> I just took the normal description for that one because I'm like, that one just sounds like such a cliched Western. It just sounds like the Bible to me. <laughs> it just sounds like the Bible. <laughs> How many gun-slinging bad people are there in the Bible, Jamie? Up until you got to that part, I was like, <laughs> he's describing that story of, of Joseph and Mary. <laughs> well, I got two yep. out of three. Two out of three. All right. What's your mini game? My mini game this week is called The Five Second Rule. And there is a board game out there or a card game or something out there that we played once. I give you a topic. You have five seconds to give me three answers. Now I'm going to have three rounds of this, and each round is going to be a little different. Got it. So for round one, I'm going to do it based on Godless. You have five seconds to name me three towns mentioned in Godless. Oh, LaBelle, Dusty's, and the old mine. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I wanted. I, I just thought of that I didn't bring up. They don't do a great job in that show of like letting you know where each town is in relation to the other. I just wanted to say that. And yeah, the only one I could remember is LaBelle. I couldn't remember. There's Creed. Oh, and I could have said Scranton. You could have said, said Scranton. Damn. Okay, that was probably the hardest one. Okay. okay. Hardest one out of the way. Round two The Mandalorian. You have five seconds to name me. Three non-human characters. All right. IG-11, Quill, and Grogu. (gasps) Technically, Baby Yoda. My bad. Sorry. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, everyone. That's his name, technically. That name means nothing to me, so you're fine. Okay. You didn't answer it in the five seconds, but you were pretty close. (sighs) Okay. Dang it. This one's hard. Round three, Clint Eastwood. Don't look at his IMDb page, Derek. Okay. I was about to say, am I supposed to name three Clint Eastwoods? Um, Clint Eastwood (laughs) Jr., Sr., and the third. I don't know. Name me three movies directed by Clint Eastwood. Gran Torino, Mystic River, um, The Mule. Time. Quick bonus one. Name three planets in the Star Wars universe. Go. Five. Tatooine, Dantooine, Hall. Three. There you go. I knew you would get that one, so that's why it wasn't one of the main ones. <laughs> Those definitely aren't ones in mentioned in the series. Well, Tatooine is, but the other aren't. Actually, Dantooine might be as well. Well, those were our minigames. <laughs> those were our <laughs> <laughs> Well, Derek's over here 
contemplating like, was that Mitch? Maybe it was Mitch. Maybe I have to rewatch it. <laughs> well, he's figuring that out. That was the end of our mini games. Which means that's our show. Woo! This episode, we reviewed The Mandalorian and Godless and uh, Jamie blew me out of the water that time. I, I didn't do great. I did not know Jamie this week. I did not know her. I don't understand why you would think I wouldn't like this. I didn't think you wouldn't like it. I just didn't think you were going to like love it. I just think you I would be like. Star Wars. I'm not to the point of you to where I made myself be born on Star Wars Day. Yep. I held myself in. I'm like, I'm not going until 4 a.m. And then I'm like, all right, we're good jump. And you're like, I stayed a little bit longer to be bigger and beefier. Yep, exactly. Oh, we like to end our shows with reading some reviews. Yes, um, this is actually from my future mother-in-law. She said, even though I knew nothing about the movies you talked about, it was still a fun listen. So very similar to what your mother-in-law said. Yeah, so mother-in-laws <laughs> for the win. <laughs> if you want to review us, review us. Please, please do it anywhere. Like, go on YouTube videos, leave a comment, we'll read those. Go on Instagram, send us. us a DM or comment on one of the right. posts that we put out. Email. I know you DJ podcast at gmail.com. We'll read that out if it's a good review. You know? Apple Podcasts. Go on there and just leave a review. Just leave five stars and write whatever you want. We loved having all the reviews when we first launched. And like, I love hearing people's feedback. Right. And it's I so want to hear your feedback. So we're going to call out a couple of people. I'm going to call out my husband, Matt. Leave us a review. I'm going to call out another friend, Claire. Leave us a review. I'm going to call out my little brother. Leave us a review, Blake. Everyone, leave us a review. So yeah, like we said, you could write to us at our email, I know you DJ podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at I know you pod or at our personal instagrams mine's at jamie dura j-m-i-e-d-o-r-o-u-g-h and mine's at big freaking geek b-i-g-f-r-e-a-k-i-n-g-g-e-e-k as always we like to let you know uh the movies we'll be watching next week and have you try to guess what the theme was going to be as well as our ratings so the movies are moonlight which is on netflix and parasite which can be found on hulu so let us know who you think suggested what and your rating and what you think the theme is going to be and i'm pretty sure that's going to be a pretty easy one to guess we post our podcast every other tuesday so just come back and listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts they're out in so many places even on youtube thank you so much for listening to this episode of i know you with derek and jamie so until next time i'm jamie and i'm derek bye, bye.